Hello, everyone. Welcome back to another episode of Girlish. My name is Gage, and I'm here with my co-host, Olivia. Hey, everyone. It's me. I was just laughing because, like, usually we write little notes, like, in where we record our podcast, and the first note was, fuck Jan. Oh, my God. I was like, we both had such a shitty January. It's been crazy. Like, it was horrendous. It's been so awful. And the last episode that you guys are going to be hearing, the one from last week, was filmed the first week of January. We really thought we were going to start this year off with a bang. Mm -mm. We truly thought it was going to start off with, like, this is the best year of our life. And I haven't edited that episode yet, but I'm sure when listening back, I bet we're hyping this year up so much. But- like just like the next week, it just all went to hell. So I'm excited to get into that because it's been so, oh my God, it's been like the worst year so far. Yeah. As of today, it's almost the end of February. Um, So I'm honestly okay with pretending like January didn't exist. And that wasn't actually the start of 2022. That's perfectly fine with me because I do remember like we were like, oh my God, we're going to manifest so much positivity and love in 2022. And that just like didn't happen in January. So literally. Yeah. The year started in February for me. That's what I, I, I'm yeah, I agree. And, you know, we can get into like all of that, but um, it was so bad. So I don't know if you uh, guys know or not, but I'm I mean, we talked about a thing in the last episode a little bit, but I'm officially moving. We have my lease. We have it signed and everything, um, and it's really exciting. And so before we were moving, I was like, okay, I'm going to get my booster like maybe a few weeks before we move like because I want to make sure that I get it as close to us moving to Olympia because I don't want to have to worry about it for like getting it again in six months and being in a – I want to get settled in Olympia before having to think about it. So we were waiting like as last minute as possible to get our booster. And oh my, this is just so annoying. So the day before I got my booster shot, I had had it scheduled. I was ready. I was ready to be vaccinated. The day before I got diagnosed with COVID. And I had, it was the worst experience I think I've ever had, like getting a sickness. And you haven't had COVID yet, right? No, I haven't had COVID, but I can like around the actually the same time that you got COVID, Russell also got COVID. Um, And that was like just really stressful. Like I genuinely don't understand how he got it and I didn't considering we were still sleeping together, sharing everything. And he was feeling symptoms like a few days before he actually tested positive um, so that was crazy. I guess my immune system is just on another level. I'm also not boosted either. So I don't know. I don't know what made you have good me genes. immune to it. Yeah. But I'm I'm glad I didn't get it, which is something I can go into a little bit later. Um, but yeah, luckily I didn't get COVID, but I know you did, and it didn't sound like you were having the best experience yeah. with it. I don't understand how I got COVID because I um, I literally work from home. <laughs> I don't go anywhere. I'm working from home and I'm not doing much and I barely go out. When I go out, I get groceries. I feel like I've been a hermit um, recently. And so um, Emily, my partner, she was... She had she was going to work in an office and everything like that. But I got sick before she got sick. 
So we're just not sure if she picked it up and then I ended up getting symptoms before she did, but it was rough and I wouldn't recommend it to anyone. Um, Every day felt like a new symptom and I was sick for about a week and then a week after I was still kind of having the symptoms kind of die down. But like the first day was like a sore throat. The second day was super like awful body pain um, and like a fever. The third day was like a runny nose. The fourth day was a bad cough, but it was like a normal cold cold times 10. And then after I finally felt better, um, I lost my sense of smell and I, I like had a panic attack. I was not in a good place because like, the idea of having something in like a set, especially a sense, like something so vital that like your smell determines how you taste things, how you like interact with the world. And it's really, really, I don't know. I didn't realize how important it was until I actually lost it. And it was, it was so bad. And I was like afraid that I'll never get it back because I've heard horror stories of people losing their smell and their taste and they never got it back. And like, I was worried that was going to be my dad. I know you said that. And he- my dad got COVID December of 2020 and still cannot really taste anything. So yeah, I'm happy that you didn't end up that way. But also at the same time, I was like, I honestly don't really know if I could live life without taste for like almost a year, actually more than a year, almost two years at this point. How do you live? I, like, what do you do? I, I just, I don't know. And it was, it was rough. Like my taste was okay. Um, but it definitely was like altered because like everything I was tasting was super salty. And, um, there were things that I couldn't quite taste, um, or I could taste them mildly, but yeah, my smell, it took about like a week to fully get back. But I was so scared because there were days where I was like shoving like I was shoving like my cat fig in my face. I'm like, I need to smell you. I'm like, I started crying because I'm like, I just want to smell my family. And it was like really like emotional. But um, yeah, so like that whole experience, it was like right when the month started um, and we ended up having to like take a small break from the podcast and a lot was happening in your life. And we both were just kind of like trying to balance that. And it was just, it was so hard to catch up. It felt like, because starting off like a year with such like a, a punch to the stomach was so, so bad. But how was Russell's experience with it? Cause Emily and I just like, we're, we're okay now, but it was so bad. His experience, like his symptoms weren't horrible. Um, he was like bedridden, obviously really tired and had, I would say like mild to moderate symptoms but he wasn't dying or anything um the reason like this whole situation was so stressful for me is because I actually had somebody pass away in my family at the beginning of January um my aunt actually ended up passing away and we had already planned a trip at the end of January to like go back to Washington, spend some time with my family, go snowboarding, things like that. So um, I was just working one day and then my mom calls me at like eight in the morning and I was like, oh, I don't, she's never called me this early. I don't know if that's a good thing. Um, And then immediately when she, and or when I answered the phone, I knew something was wrong and she ended up telling me what was wrong. Um, I was like in complete shock just because my aunt is like not old. She was 
barely 50. Like that's still young. And it was just, it was a shock. That was the last thing I expected when my mom called me. So I took work off that week. And this was like a week before we had planned to go back up to Washington to visit them. Um, So I ended up moving my flight to the following Monday so I could spend more time with my family. Um, And then after we could still have our little snowboarding trip that we had planned. But the Friday before we were, or I was supposed to leave, he ends up testing positive for COVID. He takes a home test, tests positive, like literally immediately. It usually says like, oh, wait 10 to 15 minutes and then come back and see the results. It turned to the positive thing in 0.8 seconds. So he tested positive. I tested negative three times um, over that weekend. I did the rapid test. I also did PCR and I, I tested negative. But at the same time, I like had some type of cold, like a mild head cold, the flu, something because I felt like shit. And it was stressing me out because here I am trying to go back home to visit my family and spend time with them after somebody just passed away. But now Russell tests positive for COVID and I'm like stressing out thinking if he can still come with me to go see my family, if I should even go see my family because what if I'm positive or if I'm not feeling any symptoms, I don't want to infect my entire family. Um, So that was just like really, 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 really stressful. But like I said, thankfully I ended up testing positive thanks to my perfect immune system. So that was great. Um, I was okay. It was, I would say my trip ultimately was positive. Like obviously it was kind of sad at the beginning just because we were all upset about my aunt passing away. But our snow snowboard trip was really fun. I would say like that was the only positive thing about January. Um, we went snowboarding and stayed like at this cute little Bavarian themed German town in Washington called Leavenworth. It's so pretty. It's like German themed, like I said. They have Christmas lights up and it just felt like, I don't know, a winter wonderland, I guess. Um, so yeah, it was fun snowboarding. Um, I was like the only person in the group that is still kind of a beginner. So it was really annoying having everybody fly down the mountain at 800 miles an hour and I could barely stand the fuck up. Also, I fell 800 times. I fell really hard on my tailbone and like hurt my ass for the next three weeks. And I also broke seven nails, but it's okay. It's part of the experience. I came back injured with missing nails and like bloody nails, which was horrifying. But that was, I would say, the only positive thing about January. It was a fun trip, but like I was fucked up by the time I came back. How, what mountains did you go to? So we went to Snoqualmie, I think, Snoqualmie Pass. And then I don't even remember the name of the second mountain, but the second one that we went on, it was like, for advanced people, definitely. Because like there's, there were a lot of points where it's completely flat and I don't know how to ride my board straight. Like I ride on my tail end because it's it's safer for me that way. So like the fact that I had to tr- steer straight was not good. I had to keep unbuckling myself and walking past those parts because I couldn't get enough speed to like go past. Also, there were so many points where there was – this little tiny narrow trail with just like a cliff next to it of like 
it's just the fucking bottom of the mountain. Oh and I was God. like, bitch, I can barely steer myself. You're telling me I have to go here and risk myself falling off the mountain? No. So I don't know who decided to pick that mountain on the second day, but I felt like I was being personally attacked because I didn't know what I was doing. Whenever I do move, we have to, like, we have to, you have to take me snowboarding. Like, yeah, I'm, we have to go. Because I've never gone. So we can be a begin- beginner together. We can, like, bust our ass. Like, I'm so for it. Um, One of my friends that we went with, she's a skier. And she was not, she didn't fall literally once. Like, the guys, they're good. They're good snowboarders, but they still fell. Like, she didn't fall once. So I think next time I I want to be a skier girl. Like, I think... <laughs> It's the beginning of my ski era. I feel like I have to I have to try snowboarding. I feel like when I go, like I'm gonna I just have to. I feel like I have to like learn to hate it so then I can be a skier. Because yeah. I feel like all the people that ski are like, yeah, snowboarding just sucks. So I heard snowboarding at first is harder to learn, but it's easier to master. And skiing is the opposite. It's easy to learn at the beginning, but it's harder to like really be a good skier. So I don't know. I guess it just comes down to preference, but I've, I'm good at rollerblading and I feel like that's it's kind of similar. Like your feet are like tied to like little skis or whatever. Yeah. Um, I, cause I, cause I have a, a history of skateboarding. I used to be a skater girl back in the day. So I'm like, I can probably snowboard. And every person I says that or say that to, they're always like, it's not the same, but I'm like, but it's probably the same. It's definitely not the same, but I, I'd like to think that I could do it. I'd like to think that I could be Sean White um, and, and do a lot of flips. <laughs> Chloe Kim. <laughs> you can be so, skier Eileen and I can oh, be Sean. Oh my God. So <laughs> I, I think my toxic trait is that whenever I'm doing something, I think like I'm like a supermodel or something. Like I was meticulously planning out my snowboarding outfits like I was Eileen Gu. Like I was like, oh my God, I have to make sure that little strands of my hair stick out of my helmet. So like everybody knows that I'm a fashionable little ski girl. Oh my God. Um, and like we were on the ski lift and I looked at Russell and I was like, do I look okay? And he was like, you look like a hot mess. And I opened my camera. <laughs> I literally have snot coming out of my nose. My hair is like frizzy and drenched. And the reason like girls are able to pull their hair out of their helmets is because they don't fall. But like for somebody that's on the ground 24-7 and eating snow and face down in the snow, it, it doesn't work out that way. So like the vision that I had in my head for myself, it just wasn't what I was thinking. But that's okay. I was very humbled by that experience. I feel like I can envision you just being like your existence on that mountain was just in the ground on the snow. No, I was <laughs> miserable. Like I took – I had one horrible fall like the first – run down the second mountain and I was in pain the rest of the day and there were points where like I would fall over and I would just sit there I was like I'm really like 63,000 feet above ground level and I have to get down this fucking mountain and I literally want to die and like that soreness it sticks with you for like a few days because of all I'm everyone says that snow is like really hard and I don't know for some reason I'm like but it's like snow it's fluffy right that shit's not fluffy (laughs) It's like rock hard. Yeah. I'm like so from from like a Florida standpoint where I've like seen snow like maybe like one time in my life. Like I'm very intrigued by the the whole like 
snowboarding and like the whole culture behind it and like what is the vibe like I, I want to try it so bad and I want to get like a nice outfit because I'm going to be close to the Olympic mountains so I'm like I should get like a like a pass and like go every yeah. weekend become like a professional snowboarder like I have those dreams and honestly I think I can do it I think you can. You have the foundation of being a skater girl, so you can be a snowboard girl too. I know that would be. You have cool. to buy a full fit, though. That's I, what I did. I don't know why I spent five hundred dollars on a full snowboarding outfit <laughs> when I can't even snowboard, but I did it anyway. And I think it's just part of the experience. I'd see, like you're not living life if you're not spending money on hobbies that you're never gonna you're gonna love for like exactly. a month, but then like <laughs> stop doing it. But no, I see. I think that the outfit is probably you're gonna, it's gonna last you for a while if you want to go back. That's true. Plus, you have to visit yeah. me, so. Um, yeah. So we can do that. I'm prepared together. next time when we're both rolling down the mountain, we can both look good. Together. Exactly. So you have to tell me like where, what you bought and like um, where you bought it from because I'm probably going to need some snow outfits too. Emily bought me snow boots, some Doc Martens for Christmas, which I think would be cute to, um, to wear whenever we go hiking and stuff. I've been like looking up these like beautiful hikes that I want to do in, in Washington but they're all like like I want to I want to go to a hike that's in a lake that's surrounded by mountains. But all of them are like eight hour hikes, and they're like level like like extreme or like hard, and they're like eight hour hikes to do, and you have to like go at like five in the morning to just start your hike. But I'm like I want to see that so bad. So I don't know. We'll see. There's so much like nature, and I'm like Florida's so flat, but there's so much to do. There is a lot of nature. My mom, she like is a pretty big hiker. She's climbed Mount Rainier. Oh, wow. Um, yeah. So I could ask her if she has any recommendations for like trails or whatever, if you guys want to go. Because yeah. she like was on a hiking kick like a couple years ago. So yeah, I would. Not me. <laughs> I say I love it. I love to just like walk around and to to be able to, I don't know, experience it. We went to the Olympic Mountains, um, or it might have been, no, I think it was the Olympic Mountains. We went like snowshoe hiking on it and it was like really, really awesome because um, it was the first time it was ever like, I was seeing snow in that amount and just like the, it was like a winter wonderland. I like had my phone recording and everything was white and I just could not believe the view. And I'm like, I just want to be having these experiences all the time. It's the same when I like first went to LA and we climbed um, uh, Runyon. We hiked up Runyon and I just saw like the city and I was like completely like, like my mouth just like dropped open. Even though it's like disgusting and there's smog, there was still something so cool to be like on like a, like a mountain or a hill or whatever and seeing like the cityscape. So I'm like, I need, I need a, a nice hike because I, I want to be able to do that. So you're going to have to come with me when we go. I was just about to say, yeah, I mean, when I come to visit, we can go snowboarding and we can go hiking. We can just be little nature girlies. I, and I would love to do sports. Yes. So hopefully <laughs> we can do that. And I already have plans to visit you. I want to go to Universal so bad. We talked about it in the oh, last yeah, episode. Yeah. I genuinely like I, I've been like thinking about it for like like this whole past month. I'm like, I need to buy my ticket. I need to buy my, <laughs> my flight ticket. Um, but Emily and I want to get settled before we before we buy our flights. But I'm that that that's a very exciting rest of the year because the the first part of it sucked. But I'm happy that you're able to have a good trip, 
make some memories out of some hard times. And um, yeah, it just fucking sucks that we had to just like really go through it right in the beginning and not being able to catch our breath. Um, not even like before we could think of like, what's this year going to be like? It's like, oh, here's a million reasons why it's going to be hard. But at the same time, since it started out so low, there's only the only way we can go is up. So I am manifesting positivity for the rest of 2022. That's what I'm doing. Positive vibes. Things don't even phase me anymore just because I feel like it's been a really hard like year or so where like something bad happens and I'm just like, okay, whatever. Like I want to go on to the next segment, but I just like randomly thought of it right now. There's something that happened to me like last week. Um, I was in a therapy appointment and I really want to talk about this because I think oh, it's, yeah, you should talk about because it. it's so fucked up. I've never had a more transphobic therapist. And the reason that I got them was because on their like psychology today, they talked about how they're like an ally, quote unquote, like an ally. And like they like, you know, you know, specialize in, you know, talking about people with like different backgrounds type of thing. Like they really want to make someone feel like included and within their like their services so very much diversity studies type per se which is me so i was excited to to actually start the session i i did two sessions and it's always like the same thing and once they know i'm trans when they start asking me questions they have to like talk about my transition and like they have to rehash things and i i get it like a lot of trauma happened within my transition but i feel like i've i've come so far where I, it's not something that really keeps me up at night. Like I, my family and I relationship isn't the best, but I've come to terms with what it is. And, and maybe that's something I'll have to visit in therapy at some point, but it just doesn't seem like such a defining thing that I feel like a lot of people want it to be. So whatever, I felt like it was routine. She was going to ask me questions. It was fine. The first session was like that. We go on to the second session and now we start getting more into it's a different thing, like different sort of topics. I kind of bring up my history with um, eating disorders and a content warning. I'm going to kind of go into a little bit of this. Um, but I was just telling her how like, you know, I've gone through times of my life where I've like, you know, I've binged, I've purged, like it's, it's affected me. Um, and especially growing up, and I mentioned how I was an overweight kid. I was like, yeah, I weighed like this and this when I was 10 years old. And then she was like, so aggressive about it she was like oh my god that's childhood obesity it was like really like really aggressive about it and the way that she was talking I told her that I was intermittent fasting she was like that's really great I always recommend it it's really great and like other therapists that I've had who I've like told I've been intermittent fasting are like don't do that like diets don't work like they I don't know it just felt weird coming from a therapist to tell me to like keep doing a certain diet I don't know. It was weird. So I I had weird vibes off of the off of that, and so she was making me like uncomfortable. She seemed very like, I don't know. It was it was, the energy was just off, and so then I started talking about how like yeah like, um, she asked me why I had you know why did I feel like I needed to be smaller like what's telling me that, and I was like I don't know like society I don't know what she was trying to get at. But I was like, yeah, society, like the way that like I see like models and stuff like that, like obviously I want to look like them and I just like, I can't be, I'm not, I want to be smaller. 
And then she was like, yeah, but like, that's all like manufacturer. They do that on purpose. And I was like, yeah, but like, I, I also have like a lot of friends that are really small and I feel like I surround myself with a lot of people and I feel like I'm always just like, I feel like I'm the big one. And then she like responds with, well, yeah, but if they're cis, then biologically you can't be like, you can't look like them. Like if they're cis, then you will never look like them because you're biologically male. And I was like, what? They like came out of left field. I was like, what the fuck? And I like almost hung up on her. And I, I'm I'm mad that I didn't hang up on her, that I let her just like talk about me and like keep going for like another like 15 minutes. Like after she said that though, I just like stopped responding. I was just like, okay, okay. And like, I just was like baffled. I was like, this bitch just did not do that. And um, it was like, I like, I'm so in shock that she did that. I was so in shock when you told me that she did that because like, I'm not a therapist. I'm not a psychologist. I didn't go to school for that. But to me, if somebody's actively talking about an eating disorder, I'm not going to bring up like other things about their body to make them feel even more insecure than they already are. And like, I don't even, she completely missed the point of what you were saying. I don't even think you were really talking about like your, the structure of your body or like your bone composition, right? Like that's not even what you were referring to when you said smaller. No. Yeah. No, not at all. I wasn't like, that's not even, she was basically like, oh, well you were born a man. So like your shoulders, they're going to be broad like that all the time, sweetie. So you just have to get over it. Like that's not even what you were talking about. It was like, she completely missed the point. And even if that was what you were talking about, like there's no reason she should have said that. Like that's so insensitive to say just because you're trans, you're not going to ever look like your cis friends because that's not always the case. Like what? Yeah. And then at another point in the session beforehand, I had brought up like, like, you know, wanting surgeries like breast augmentation or, you know, or, and like other things. And um, the way that she responded to it was just like odd. It felt like she just was like almost like, I don't know, like disgusted. It just like the way the vibes that I got, I was like, oh, you are not like you don't understand a single thing that I'm going through right now. Like you don't understand what a trans person is truly and like how to like talk with just a trans person. But um, it was like just really weird. And she called me superficial. She literally called me superficial after she like after she attacked me for being biologically male, she was like, you're like the way you view like yourself is like really superficial. Like you're super. And I was just like, what the fuck? Like, what are you doing right now? You're just making me feel bad about myself. And after I got off the call, like for the next two days, I was just kind of like, I just kind of sat like with myself, like just like really shocked. I've never had someone like look me in the face and be like that blatantly like transphobic where I just was like, like there was no intention of like her, that being a productive conversation. Like the, I don't know what she how I don't know she thought she did something because like that did nothing for me. And the fact that you can pride yourself or say that you're an ally and or but but we're so like aggressive in the way that I don't know it just is so fucked up. I'm just like baffled. I looked her up after you told me what her name was. <laughs> And I was like, of course, this bitch. Like, the first thing, it's like, she, her, hers. Like, oh my God. Yeah, we started sure the first session. Lot, the first session, she was like, hi, my name is La La La. Um, my pronouns are she, her. And then it got like quiet. And she looked at me 
And I was like, oh, oh, I'm supposed to speak. I was like, okay, like my name's Olivia, my pronoun. And then I just was like, okay, you're you're doing too much, I think. Please um, bring it down. I'm surprised she wasn't like, your pronouns are it. That's what I'm going to call you. Oh, my. Because literally. She might have, <laughs> she's mine as well. I just don't understand how you could say you're an ally and like not understand gender dysphoria or like body dysmorphia like are those just two things that she just did she miss those lessons and that's the thing is that she 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 specifically made the distinction in therapy like in the session she was like yeah like gender dysphoria and like body dysmorphia are like two different things so like obviously i think like she like made it a point to be like they're separate they're not the same thing. But then the moment that I talk about wanting to just be smaller, like my friends, like I didn't even say they were cis. I didn't even say they were women. I just said the, the people that I have around me are smaller and I want to like be smaller. And she was just like, well, if they're cis, then you can't. <laughs> if you're, you're, I'm sorry, you're a tranny and you have to stay like that for the rest of your life. And I was like, oh my God. But I don't even know what I would have said. Like I would have just been too stunned to speak. Like I'm sorry. The trainee was too like, stunned what did you to just speak. Tell me? <laughs> yeah, I I can't. But so that was my experience with therapy, and I will not be going to another therapist anytime soon. So for the time being, I will be taking a hiatus from mental health. <laughs> I will see mental health back in approximately maybe six to twelve months. <laughs> but I cannot do it anymore. So yeah, that was my experience. And we can move on to our pop culture topic. Um, but I just wanted to get that off my chest because it's been pissing me off and I've been thinking about it the past week. But yeah, let's go to the next segment. Yeah. So I, in our pop culture segment today, wanted to talk about Drag Race specifically because, I mean, at the beginning of this season, the current season that's going on, it was already kind of historic because it was the first time that there were two out trans women on the same season. So we had Carrie Colby and Cornbread the Snack Jeté. They both identified as trans before the season started. Everybody knew that they were trans. Um, But since the season started airing like a month or two ago, two more queens have come out as trans. I think last week, my favorite queen from Seattle, my queen, the queen of my heart, Bosco, came out as trans. And then yesterday, another queen, Jasmine Kennedy, came out as trans. So this season, there are four out trans women on Drag Race, which I think is amazing, especially because a couple of years ago, I think somebody had asked RuPaul what his opinions were on trans women doing drag and I don't think I don't exactly know like what he said or like the quote I should probably look it up um but from what I know and what I heard about he wasn't like completely on board or thought that trans women should be competing in drag so I think I don't know if the fact that there's four trans women on the show this season is like a sign of progress and like he's changed and like evolved in his thinking or if it was just a way of him to like not be canceled. So I don't know. I just thought it was interesting. I know a lot of people have very polarizing thoughts about RuPaul as a person, but I think the show Drag Race is great. It's 
incredibly entertaining. It's probably one of my favorite shows. And also the topics that they talk about and just the queens in general is like the reason people watch. It's not necessarily just for RuPaul. It's like to see the diversity in the drag community and how it's evolving. Yeah, I've noticed a lot of changes with um, Drag Race. Um, I've been seeing the newest season, but I'm really excited to start, especially after hearing about all this. Um, but I know that RuPaul has slowly, um, the show has slowly tried to become more inclusive with the language they use. I know they used to say um, like words like tranny in it. You got she-male, like things like that, that could be seen as very, I don't know, offensive towards the trans community. And I've been seeing like the shift of them really trying to be more inclusive, especially because, yeah, there is that history that we know that um, RuPaul has said in the past that, um, you know, so just some transphobic things, not really thinking that a trans woman can be a drag queen, which is just by the whole creation of drag queens doesn't make any sense because like the first drag queens were trans women. Um, so yeah, so I know there's been like a lot of problematic stuff with RuPaul's Drag Race. A lot of people don't like RuPaul. Um, I know for a little bit, I just like, I stopped watching after all that like controversy happened and I recently picked it back up again. And, you know, I've, I've seen a big change. I've, I've especially have seen a big change with the people they've been bringing on. So it is really awesome to know that they're, I don't know, it seems really inclusive. Like they even have a straight person on this season, right? Super inclusive. They do. There's a straight <laughs> cis man. That's so exciting. And you can tell that he's. Oh my god! I want to see. Is it like another Aiden um, type of queen? Stop! Okay. Like a kooky, quirky girl. Oh my god! Okay, I want to see. I can't wait. Okay, but it's just funny to me. Like, I don't know. Like, you can very clearly tell just by the fashion and the way that they put themselves together that they are of the heterosexual <laughs> variety. Um, <laughs> they're just missing a little bit of it. Um, you know what I'm right. saying? Right. No, I, I get that. But it's okay. Like, good for you. Like, slay. <laughs> slay. Oh, my God. I, I can tell you of TikTok now. <laughs> but, um, yeah, so, um, yeah, I think the show is really amazing. And I'm, I'm really happy to, um, to um, like, watch it. Because that is really, really awesome to have four trans women be, like, in a, in a single season. Like, what the fuck? And Drag Race is such a big show. It's won so many Emmys. It's on its, like, 14th season. So it's... And it's... I feel like it's a show that's well-respected and has a very diverse audience. So it's just another platform to show trans women and trans people in general and how people identify. And I think it's just good representation as a whole just because the franchise itself is so big and there's like so many different spinoffs like in Canada, Holland, Thailand, like all over the world. So I think it's ultimately a good thing. Um, Like I said, I don't love RuPaul. Like I don't watch the show because of, because I like him. I like it because of the Queens that are on there and that's what makes it what it is. Yeah. And I'm, I'm 100% with you on that, but um, yeah, that's just like, that's so awesome. And I need to catch up. I'm writing this on my list of, of um, I think, my next thing to watch. If a trans person doesn't win this season, it's transphobic. 
and I'm going to complain. I'm going to spill some tea really quick. Did you know I used to be afraid of drag queens? <laughs> I know, like, you've had, like, an up-and-down relationship with them. Okay. I didn't know you were scared so, of them. Like, you're not, actually scared. What? Okay, so I have a thing with people in costumes, but that's another thing, right? So, like, I, I do have a fear when people are, like, in costumes, but I also have really bad social anxiety. So the idea of, like, a drag queen, like, if I were at a drag show, like, them, like, picking on me or, like, doing something with me, I, like, panic. Like, I, I can't fathom attention on me. So, like, that, like, stresses me out. But, like, yeah, I've had a, a love-hate relationship with drag queens, mainly because, like, I was once, like, I told someone I was trans one time, and they were like, I love RuPaul's Drag Race. <laughs> <laughs> so, I, that's kind of, like, my issue. But honestly, but this trans oh, representation no. makes it make sense now. Like, it took a few years to make sense, but finally it makes sense, because I love RuPaul's Drag Race, too. But, like, I love RuPaul. <laughs> Stop. Oh my god. Okay, so we can't we should probably shouldn't go to drag brunch at like hamburger Mary. No, I would love to. No, honestly, oh, okay. I I would love to. Yeah. I mean and I go to there's a there's a like a gay bar club here um in Gainesville called the UC. And uh there's like a drag show every Saturday and it's so fun. I have so much fun. I'm actually going tonight, I think. So it'll be fun to see a drag show and they're always just like really hype. So That's fun. Yeah. But I'm, I, I do, I love drag as an art form and I think it's a great way for people to express, express themselves in whatever gender expression they, you know, they are. Um, I've seen cis women be, you know, I, what are they called? Cis queens? Bio queens. Bio queens. Yeah. So, which is a silly name, <laughs> but I, I mean, I've seen that and like, I don't, I think as an, an expression, as an art form, nothing really upsets me. It feels like a very inclusive type of of uh, of vibe so i'm really really into i don't know i'm into the idea of, of people having fun with it and expressing themselves in that way so i'm really happy to see that there are so many trans women that are being accepted into the culture and are being actively represented on media so that's pretty fucking cool yeah trans women are the best honestly like all the trans women on the show like they're all the front runners so i feel like that says something i'm really i'm on bosco's instagram and i'm like i need to i love bosco okay i need to obsess i need to watch and then you're going you're moving to seattle so like you can go see bosco oh yeah she's from seattle yeah i'm i'll be close enough oh fun okay okay yes if she performs then i 100 we should go if she performs we should go oh my god yeah yeah, we're going. Okay, we're going for sure. Fun. Okay. Have you seen any drag queens before, like live? I've actually never, actually, just once. It was like on my 21st birthday, and I was still a closeted little tranny. So, like, I didn't really experience it the way I wanted to because I was like, oh my God. I kind of want to like be them, but at the same time, I don't <laughs> want anybody to know that I'm like yeah. enjoying myself yeah. because I don't want to like out myself. If that makes sense. So I need to go like and actually be able to have fun. Yeah. I mean, I've, I've been to a few drag shows. I've been to the, the club drag shows and then a few drag queens from the, um, a few queens from RuPaul actually came to the university and I saw them. Do you remember who they were? Katia. Uh, it was Katia. <gasps> Hold on. Say that again. Katia, Sasha Valor, and Shea Coulee. 
Yes. Are you kidding? So me? we saw all of them, and it was uh, iconic. Um, I'm gonna scream. Who's the bald bitch? Sasha. Valor. Okay, yeah, she like really, she 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 really put her whole pussy out there. Like it was like Shay Coulee <laughs> is one of my favorites ever. I'm gonna scream. It was yeah, so it was really really cool, and it was funny because. Um, I was friends with the person that ran it. Like he worked with us. Um, shout out Eric. And he's the one that coordinated all of it. And the if you're coordinating it, you have access to like speak with the people at RuPaul and they will tell you who the runner ups are so that you can schedule them to perform during like the show's like performance. So before it was even announced, they knew who the runners runners up were. So they were able to get those queens and hire them because they were going to be the top ones. So like we were able to, and we were able to like know who was going to be like the top um, people of that season. So um, yeah, it was really cool. And it was really cool to watch them. And I had a really fun time. And I think drag shows are so fun. We need to go to one. We can go skiing. And then we can go for a hike, and then we can go see a drag show. I yeah, it's like a full day. Like I'm sure that because Gainesville has like a drag brunch, um, it's like right down the street from me. So I'm sure that there's like a bunch, especially in Seattle. Like there has to be, for sure. Bottomless for mimosas sure. and a drag brunch. Exactly, that has to exist. All right, so I think we can probably go into the main topic that we've been we've I don't know we've been talking a lot about. I feel like um, recently. Um, And that has to do with like professionalism and being trans and coming out to your employer. And if that's something that needs to be done or is that something that um, we should be doing as trans individuals? Like where's the line of of bringing up your gender identity and what, you know, what does that mean? Like you obviously want to feel included in a space and feel safe in a space, but is it always necessary to bring up your gender identity? And so I I wanted to talk with this about, or I wanted to talk about this with you today because you've been having interviews lately. And I know you were talking about a place that you uh, applied to and um, your interview with them. So. Yeah. um, If you are my employer, if you're from my company and you're listening to this. Close your ears. You didn't you didn't hear this. But <laughs> yeah, I, I have been applying to other places. I'm trying to get out of insurance. I've decided that I want to work in diversity, equity, and inclusion. Um, so I've been like applying to those types of positions. And ever since I started working, I would say after my first job at Target, which I was working pre-transition like in college, I've never told anybody that I was trans and I plan to keep it that way, to be honest. And for the first time ever, I actually told an employer that I was trans in an interview um, because I thought it was relevant to the question and the position as a whole. They were basically asking me like, what are my experiences with diversity and like my own experiences with gender and how I identify and my journey basically. And I was like, I stopped, I paused for a second. I was like, do I tell them that I'm trans or do I try and pull another answer out of my ass? But I ultimately ended up telling them that I was trans. And that was, like I said, the first time that I've ever told an employer that. And in general, I don't 
think anybody should have to. I think if you feel comfortable and safe with your coworkers and management and with your company, then obviously you can. But at the end of the day, like we're all there to do a job. I don't think you should have to say that you're trans if you are working for a company because like what what is that going to do? Like it's not going to change anything. You still have your position. You still have your duties. It's not like it's going to affect the way that you conduct yourself. So I don't think anybody should have to. Um, but it was definitely a weird experience telling them and having them know. I don't know. Just because I've never done it before. It was kind of weird. Yeah. And maybe there's forms of internalized transphobia um within sort of my perspective or i I just i don't quite know what the right answer is like it should employers know should you be out and proud about it specifically for me i don't know what i need what do i want do i need some sort of support system or finding a community in my within my work and sort of like you know trying to be like a you know uh, an advocate while I'm kind of working in a position that has nothing to do with my gender identity. So that's where I come at that crossroads where, you know, I'm working currently in a position where I don't have to talk about my gender identity. I'm um, I'm presenting the way that I want to be presented and people are treating me uh, as such and no one's asking any questions. No one's debating me about my gender identity. I don't feel othered at all in my position. And I love that. And I love that I don't have to constantly talk about my my gender. I love that I don't have other people bringing up my gender. I can just work and no one ha- no one says anything. And like, that's so incredible. And I think that's kind of my form of what I want in a professional setting, unless it's truly something that like has to do with my job description, unless it's me actively being surrounded by other people with similar experiences. But like if I'm working as a job as like, let's say a video editor, I don't need to have my coworker and like know that I'm trans. Like what is the purpose of that? So it's something that I don't really feel like is necessary unless you want to be vocal about it unless your pronouns are you know neo pronouns or they are you know they them but i don't really see for me the very specific i don't really see why i would need to bring my gender identity up within you know my employer yeah and i do want to just bring up the fact that just being able to question whether or not you should disclose that information is in itself a privilege. Like I'm privileged yeah. to be able to work and not tell anybody and not have anybody question it or, you know, have those uncomfortable conversations with people being curious. Like that's a privilege that I have um, just due to how far I'm in my transition. So I can't imagine how difficult it must be to navigate the workplace when you are not at that point in your transition or you're just starting or you've been at a job for like a long time and decided to start your transition. Like just the process of telling everybody, hey, um, so I'm trans. I go by these pronouns now. I'm going to start looking different. I'd like you to dress me as this way. Just like thinking about that gives me extreme anxiety. So anybody that has gone through that, I think you're probably one of the 
bravest and strongest people. Like that's horrifying for me to even think about. Yeah. Um, I was also thinking about um, in terms of there are a lot of companies that are starting to implement having to have pronouns um, within like a signature, within Zoom calls. And I wanted to know your thoughts on it because I'm also conflicted about pronouns being displayed. Although, you know, I see the purpose of making trans people feel comforted. I don't feel quite comforted when I see pronouns. And I know a lot of other people feel the same. I've heard people talk about like, sometimes it can feel like it's forcing trans people to come out when they're not ready to come out. Or, you know, having to like, if I wasn't out, and let's say I was a boy, um, and I was really insecure in that, and I really wanted to come out, but I didn't want to tell anyone, I would have to look at my screen and see it say he, him, and it would just be like a, a dreadful thing and a constant reminder of me uh, needing to, you know, one day have that changed or going through the process of telling everyone it's changing. And that does sound super scary. And I feel like a lot of times employers are kind of, it feels like they're trying to do the right thing. But in turn, it can really make for a very awkward situation for people who are in the beginning stages of a transition or really not quite sure, or, you know, just like questioning their gender identity. It can definitely be, it can put people on the spot sometimes, which I can see how it could be really not helpful when it's supposed to be. That's crazy. Russell and I were literally talking about this really? like, <laughs> earlier today. Yeah. Um, but I I agree. Like I see the intention. I think in retrospect, it's a good thing. But at the same time, like you were saying, everybody's kind of in a different stage in their journey with understanding their gender identity and their expression. So like making it mandatory and forcing people to disclose their pronouns it opens up possibility of outing somebody that didn't want to be outed. Um, it can force somebody that's not necessarily sure about what pronouns they identify as yet to pick one. And then if somebody just doesn't want to be outed, they they have to actively say, I identify as he, him, or she, her, when they actually don't because they don't want people to know that they're trans. So I think there's, I mean, in essence, it's a positive thing, but it could also bring up a lot of issues for the people that actually have a struggle with trying to figure out what pronouns they'd like to use. And like in positions that are customer facing, like as a cashier or like somebody that works in a store retail, like you're, you're basically interacting with people all day and there's no telling what type of person you're going to interact with. I feel like forcing somebody who's still really early on in their transition to disclose their pronouns on a name tag when they probably don't necessarily feel comfortable or don't fully feel confident in the way that they express themselves or feel like their gender expression aligns with how they identify, it just opens up the door for a lot of conflict, in my opinion. Like, What if somebody that's extremely bigoted comes in or somebody that's homophobic or transphobic comes in and they're like, oh, like you identify as she, her, but you look like a dude. Like it just kind of opens up the door for that type of thing to potentially happen just because like you never know what customers you're going to have to deal with. And a lot of times customers can get away with harassing the employee, the employers. So 
I don't know. I think, like I said, it's ultimately I see the intention is good, but I don't think it should be necessary unless you choose to do it. Like it definitely shouldn't be mandatory. Yeah. No, I, 1000%. Um, I see it here and there. I see people like in my job, like maybe have like a she, her on their like zoom screen, but um, it doesn't like, it's not really a requirement and not many people really do. And I, I don't think the workplace in itself is transphobic or anything like that because it doesn't have it. Um, I kind of prefer it because I also don't want to be the token sort of trans person because um, my pronouns would be she, her on my um, my Zoom call. But still, I feel like if, if if a workplace knows that I'm trans, I'm also worried about being put into a sort of box for any time, any sort of maybe another trans person comes on board. They'll come to me, ask me questions, or they'll come to me as being like, oh, it's almost like trans awareness week. Like, what can we do? Like, will you write up this like article about it for the like, like, I don't want to be the token like trans person they're going to come to. And then I'm going to be put on the spot and it's going to be just like, I just am worried that it's going to feel a little like othered. Like, and I just don't want to feel that way. So there is this conflicting thing where it's like, I am proud to be trans. I'm proud to be me. I'm proud to express myself. But in a professional setting, do I want that to be my entire identity? Because there comes, there's a lot that comes with being out and proud. And that's still um, a world that's still growing and still learning about trans identities and how to really integrate with them um, in a way that's um, not problematic. So I'm still trying to find where my balance is. Because my job, I don't see myself anytime soon talking about it. Maybe I'll post something on LinkedIn about my transition and they can see it in passing, but I'm not going to go out of my way to make a point of it. Cause, um, I feel like the moment I do like my therapist call, I feel like the moment I do, then it just, it opens up the door for maybe a conversation I just wasn't ready to have, or I just don't want to have. Yeah. And it does like, it, it does change. I feel like the way people look at you, even though it's not always potentially negative, like there's always going to be somebody that is like, oh, they're trans. And like, you know how workplace gossip spreads and like, I don't know. I just feel like it's opening the door to a lot of personal business that doesn't necessarily need to be aired for a lot of people. I think, like I said, it's a positive thing for those who are sure about who they are at that given time. But anybody else that's questioning or not sure, it's like a worse nightmare for them. So... I don't like even on Instagram, I don't even have my pronouns on Instagram, on my Instagram profile either. Um, so I guess it, it just comes down to preference, but I definitely don't think it should be required. And I don't know. It's it's just weird. I don't want people to look at me different, like you said. Like I don't want to come out as trans and then like it's trans awareness month or we get one other trans employee and they're like Oh, I want you to meet Gage. She was the first trainee that came out and exactly. like you guys are gonna be best friends. Like if you ever need any questions, reach out to her because she'll be able to help like what what is me and this other person being trans? Like other than the fact that we're trans, like what else do we have in common? Like probably not much. Like that doesn't mean that we automatically understand everything about each other. Yeah, there's I mean, I worked in a place before where uh the employer was like they were so the manager was like talking about how there's a lot going on with 
you know, COVID bringing a lot of hate towards the Asian community. So um, my employer decided at the time, not my current employer, my employer at the time decided it would be a wonderful thing to say in the middle of a meeting to the Asian employee. Like, how do you feel about all of this? And it's like, um, what? <laughs> Why the fuck would you do that? Like, and what the hell? And it like put her on the spot. And it's like, why would you ask, like, and she also did that to, like, the only Black employee that we had um, during, like, the Black Lives Matter protests, like, singling them out and, like, making it a thing. And so I just don't want to be singled out anytime an issue about, like, you know, something about has to do with trans or, like, having me, I don't know, be the spokesperson, because that's not my responsibility, and I don't want that to follow me. So... Yeah, I think when it comes to professionalism, I think it really is dependent on the person. I also don't think you should demand people to put their pronouns on their Instagram bios or anything like that. I think that's just super unhealthy. And if once you start demanding, you start putting that pressure on people that maybe they just don't want to. And if you really are that concerned about what someone's pronouns are, then fucking ask them. Like, it's not that deep. Um, So... Yeah, I guess that's my full thoughts on it. But, you know, and maybe parts of what I said or me battling internalized transphobia, which I, I'll admit that I probably still do have. But um, I just don't want anyone to view me as anything other than me. I want people to view me as the person they've met, that they're talking with, that they're communicating with. My personal life doesn't necessarily always need to be brought into my my professional life, especially when what I'm doing as a living doesn't require my identity to matter in any capacity. Yeah. And that's why I want to get into diversity, equity, inclusion, because I see like those types of things happening all the time. And like, I am passionate obviously about advocacy and education and being a voice for the community, but I don't want to do all that work if I'm not getting paid for it, period. I don't, I don't just want to be like the token (laughs) that they go to, to talk. Like if I'm going to do that, I want to be in the position to be able to like actually work towards policies to prevent those types of things from happening. So yeah, that's why I'm trying to get into that field. Um, Maybe one day I'll be like the CEO of some big company and I can only recruit trans people and it'll just I'll just displace everybody else that's cisgender and it's only going to be run by trannies. I, that's my goal. I love that. Once you have a good job, once you, once you get like a good job in diversity and equity, um, actually, we should start our own firm. Let's do it. Oh my God, we should. Let's go be called what girlish. What should it be called? Oh yeah. Yeah. What if, what if people are like, well, what if we're not girls? What if we're boys? Not we allowed. start boy it. Bo- yeah, we'll, <laughs> oh, yeah. We'll start, no, yeah. We'll, we'll start an off branch. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> But yeah, that's, I see, I'm what, like you, we have like a similar degree. My degree is in diversity studies. Um, My minor is in Africana studies. Like I, I am a huge advocate for diversity, um, equity, and inclusion. I like 1000% think it's necessary. It's necessary for HR departments to have a source um, to provide um, employees with resources that they need. And um, I 100% completely think that should be the case in every HR department, in every company. Like there needs to be 
a place where people can feel comfortable going to to express themselves when they want to. If they're being harassed by um, someone at their work, they should have a place that they can feel safe and comfortable at. My current job, they are trying to gather people to create support groups if they wanted to, and they have different kind of forms of support groups, and one of them is LGBT related. And I signed up to want to like you know be a part of that because I do feel like those kinds of things are necessary. Um, where, you know, you have the option of of wanting to be a part of it or maybe finding common ground within your workplace with someone who is kind of of similar perspective or similar background or identity or sexuality. I can see the the great thing of finding community in that, but I don't think it should be forced. And I think um, it needs to just be kind of I think it should be supported, not forced, if that makes sense. It does. And I I don't know. I just feel like nobody should be able to force, be forced to do anything. And, I mean, we spend um, – most of us spend more than half of our – actually, like, five days out of the seven days of our week working. So the last thing that you want is to be extremely uncomfortable at work, wondering if people are going to find out whatever, or if people are judging you for whatever, or just getting this gross or uncomfortable vibe from a coworker, like that's the last thing that you want. So there are a lot of ways that pretty much every single company or organization can improve in terms of diversity and preventing those types of ideas or mindsets from fostering in the workplace. So yeah, there's a lot of work to do. Hopefully I can get my foot in the door and start making little tiny minor changes for whatever I can, just because like, I, I just realize how much we spend working and it's like the last thing that you want to do is just be miserable and uncomfortable, especially about like who you are. Like that's never fun for anybody. Yeah. And, um, I had a, like a random thought, like a random like memory that just came into my head. And I think maybe it's one of the reasons why I'm so like on guard about my identity, especially in workplaces. I had a manager who uh, went up to me one time and just randomly asked me, I was when I worked at a Papa John's. So shout out Papa John's. Um, my partner worked um, in a location that was in the same building, but she would come visit sometimes. And he also managed her. And he was like, hey, is Emily gay? And I was like, what? Like, it was weird because he's my manager asking me that. And I was like, she's bisexual. Like, I was trying to make conversation. It was so casual that he brought it up that I was like, I don't know how to respond to this. And he was like, oh, well, are you the exception? And like, I I didn't know what the fuck he meant when he said that. And I was like, what? And And I didn't say anything. I don't remember what I said. But then I like went home later and it took me about like a week before I like fully realized what he actually said. And what he said was, was the I the exception of, of her being bisexual because I'm I'm trans. So is the reason she's bisexual is because now I now identify as a woman. And I and I think that's kind of where I feel about being out in a workplace. Like I don't want that situation to happen because we can teach others to be more respectful of trans people. And I think that's important, but there's still situations like that where things can happen. And obviously I felt unsafe in my space after that. I felt vulnerable. I felt like targeted 
in a weird way, in an othered way. And I think that's why it's important that, you know, we try and make people better through like educational like resources and stuff like that, but we don't tokenize um, uh, the people, like we don't tokenize um, in the process of it. Papa John's, if you're listening to this, you need better diversity training. I demand reparations. And I'm open. I'm open to negotiating. Like, if you guys need somebody, you can reach out to me. Like, my starting pay, I'll let you know. But you definitely need to work on that. And that's, like, the thing. It's I feel like it's common for people to think it's okay to ask those types of questions. Like, I've been in, in the office world. Like, I've worked in an office job for the last three years. And when I joined the company that I'm working with now, it was the first time that they've shown us like some type of training material that involved a trans person. So like, I know there are so many other companies that are using training manuals, like to go over workplace harassment and things like that, but they're probably mostly covering sexual harassment, like men versus women and not covering trans people, which is something that's happening a lot now, obviously. So yeah, I just think hopefully we're moving in a direction. I mean, I can see it with all the positionings that are open the positions that are opening up and like diversity and equity that we're kind of moving towards the right place and companies are understanding that they need roles and people that are able to prevent those types of things from happening. Um, So yeah, I just hope that we can continue going in this direction and hopefully one day we'll get to a point where, you know, you can't actively say these things to people. And if you do, there's going to be consequences for those actions. Period. Um, But yeah, I think with that being said, you know, we've gone over a ton today. And um, I want to know everyone else's thoughts about this because a part of me is like, am I, do I have the wrong take? Because everyone's having their pronouns shared and everyone's, I feel like, so open. But is it wrong that that I want to, I don't know, be more reserved about it? I don't know. I want to. I feel like most of the people that are like, oh my God, this is so cool, are like, cis people straight people that have never questioned what pronouns that they identify right i feel like it's like they're the ones that are advocating for it because obviously you think it's fine because you've never had to deal with the struggle of having to pick one it's like almost it's almost a way to make them feel better about themselves sometimes when the way that i feel about it's like it's like oh i'm gonna like make sure that like you know i ask people for their pronouns and it's like good for you like i don't know what to tell you (laughs) It's giving me very much like if you have hashtag Black Lives Matter with a fist in your bio. It's a, like right. we get it. It's but like okay. It's giving black have... square. Oh my god, not blackout. <laughs> oh my god, but <laughs> exactly. Um, yeah, and I w- uh, one last thing. Um, I was John Josh's Safdie's muse when he wrote Uncut Gems. Uh, I, wait, <laughs> I could. If I say what I'm going to say, this conversation is going to go on for another 10 minutes. No, you have to. So when I heard that video, like obviously it's been viral. If you don't know what we're talking about, it's Julia Fox. She was in an interview. And if you know the movie Uncut Gems, she like pronounced it like really weird, according to a lot of people. But for me, as somebody that lives in like Southern California, like in the Valley, that's literally how people talk. Like the vocal fry the way that she was speaking, it was just like, oh, I'm I'm at the mall and I overheard a girl having a conversation at Urban Outfitters. Like, that's literally how people talk. I just thought it was so funny that, like, 
to other people, like that the way that she said it was so weird, but for me it was like kind of normal. Yeah. It definitely it, it stood out, like the way that she said it. It's like I guess because I'm from Florida, so um there's not really much of that around, but like it was definitely for me it stood out and it was really funny. I love uncut jams. <laughs> jams. I love that so much. It, I don't know why I keep it's on my for you page and I can't get enough of it. It's just people mouthing it. And it's like, I know it's so, funny. and it's not original. Like, it's just so stupid. People are just mouthing it and it's like not funny, but it's so funny. So, yeah, yeah. I, I, I stand Julia Fox. Let her and her gang get free Birkin bags. And I hope she's, honestly, hope, she's thriving. Yeah. I hope she's living a great life. <laughs> but, and if you haven't watched it, go watch Uncut Jams right now. I watched it like recently. Like, it's like, really fucking good. But, yeah anyways thank you guys for listening to this episode we had a great one and we are excited to you know do more in the future we'll be, definitely be on a more consistent basis um i think we'll be able to film another one for the next week um i think we'll be good i'm moving so i move like march 3rd so i think we'll be okay but um just in case Cut to us not making no we're, we're gonna time. i'm gonna if i have to record <laughs> it on my phone we're gonna do it but yeah um with that being said thank you guys for listening and we'll see you in the next episode bye bye go huskies yeah go huskies <laughs>